Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. And this is the podcast where my sister and I talk about movies we grew up watching. This is kind of a special episode because it's November, and it's getting really close to Nancy's birthday. So, happy birthday, Nancy. Thank you. (laughs) And um, in honor of my sister and her glorious birthday, a number which we will not mention unless she wants to, we're going to talk about a genre that is not my favorite, but I think for Nancy... I'll do this, I guess. <laughs> We're going to talk about two romantic comedies. Later in the episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about one that um, I actually enjoy because it's kind of fun and creative. It's called Crazy Stupid Love. <sighs> but Nancy's going to get us started off talking we're going to go way back to the year uh, that she was a senior in high school 1994 and we're going to talk about reality bites go for it all right thanks matt um so as matt already said reality bites came out in february 1994 about like four or five months before i was going to graduate high school And it was directed by Ben Stiller, who also has a supporting role as a complete sellout named Michael. (laughs) Um, But it's about Winona Ryder, who's an aspiring kind of documentarian who was the valedictorian of her college class and her three best friends. Um, Steve Zahn plays Sammy. The excellent Janine Garofalo plays her roommate Vicky and very cute but needs to wash his hair Ethan Hawke plays her kind of uh, tumultuous love interest Troy who didn't graduate because if he would have just finished his 10 units that were left he could have graduated but that would that would be too much to uh, ask for so um, I'm certain I saw this in the theater I can't remember if you would have seen it with me. Did you? I think I did. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think I did. Okay. Um, it wasn't that memorable for me, so sorry. Jack said the same thing. He he said that he didn't really remember a lot about it, but I've seen this movie many, many times. I've probably seen it 15 times maybe over the years. And that is, listeners, that's a shock. That is shocking that Nancy's seen a movie that many times. Well, she she's not Miss. I want to rewatch movies. So well, it came out in the nineties, and it was one of those kind of foundational movies. And it was about a topic that I think was always interesting to me: this whole thinking about your future, thinking about how you're going to shape your life. And in a lot of ways, you know, again. I was graduating high school in just a few months from when this came out, and this movie starts with them graduating college. So as as a kid, I was always looking at movies. I was always interested in movies about people who are older than me, teenagers or people in college or adults. Like I, I always wanted to be older, which I believe is what Robbie says in Crazy Stupid Love. But anyways, um, so I think I was always looking for 
kind of like a blueprint or just some kind of sense of this is a version of what a future could be like for a person, you know, just kind of trying to get some answers. You know, I'm a questioner, goddammit. Like, I want information. <laughs> so I think watching these kind of these kind of movies was to try to give me some some sense of what could I expect. And there's a lot about this movie, watching it now, that, you know, after, you know, I've been out of high school and college for over 20 years now, and watching the struggle that they all kind of have, you know, this sense that you're supposed to be doing something exceptional right when you got out of college. And um, Lelaney certainly thought that she could be in that category because hello I mean she was the class valedictorian for Christ's sake um, but you know they it, it doesn't work that way and so I think watching it now I was a little I wanted to kind of slap her a number of times because she was really really pretentious and, she, and she's a complete asshole as is Michael and Troy. All three of them are like total assholes. Um, Matt's smiling they're, they're, at they're, me. Because there's going to be kind of an asshole theme <laughs> between the two movies because there's an asshole scene in oh, the other movie. Oh, yeah, well, that's a little different. But, yeah. but the, like, the three of them, you know, again, they're, they're kind of the lead characters. And, and like all three of them are fairly unlikable. Um, I think of the three, I probably like Troy the most. Also, he's so cute, so it's hard not to. And he seems like he seems like he has like a real sense of his ideals. You know, I mean, he's not really straying from what he believes. You know, like like he has a philosophy. Now, granted, he he was resisting adulting before the idea of adulting ever like came to exist. You know, he just was that. You know this philosopher. You know he is like this Gen X philosopher. He's a he's a slacker. He's a slacker. I don't. I mean. I don't know if I'd call him a slacker. I mean. He's a slacker. He is. He, I, mean, I mean. He's not a slack. He's not. He's not a slacker in the sense that he's the laziest person in the world. You know, just sitting on a couch watching TV all day, but. He wants to. He wants to be do his band, and he doesn't mind, you know, not really giving a shit about the twelve jobs that he's been fired from, <laughs> and you know, and and I'm not downing slacking <laughs> or being a slacker, but I mean, he's 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 kind of a slacker. I would Which, call and, him and a I rebel, think, not necessarily yeah. a slacker. I would say that I think he, I think rebe- I think sometimes rebellion is an excuse for being a slacker. Well, Sometimes. I, I think he, he he was never someone that wanted to... He never wanted to cop out. Like, he never wanted to sell out to the man. And Ben Stiller's character, Michael, was the complete epitome of selling out. Like, this guy had no, like, core value of, like, who he was. Like, he was just this... I feel like his character was, like, five years older than all of them. Maybe six years. I don't think he was 30. Yeah. I think he was just shy he, he of was, 30. He was definitely, he had his life a little more uh, planned out. Sure. And he had already kind of, he might not necessarily like everything he does or be really good at it, but he had seen some success, I think. So, yeah. 
but but in he's a TV and he's a TV exec for a cable network. Yes, which is and, basically supposed to be like like an MTV. Yeah, and he he didn't he wasn't an artist. I guess that's it. So so Lainey and Troy were artists. You know, she was this filmmaker. She did a kind of real world like kind of documentary of her and her friends. Troy was in a band, um, but Michael was just a TV executive who looked for ways to monetize what an artist could create. And he completely like edits the shit out of what she put together and insults her in ways I don't think he could even understand. But I do have a huge bone to pick with one of her, like one of the things she was doing. And you may not even realize I'm going to come point this out, but uh, so they're in Houston. You know, Houston's this huge city. You know, it's like the fourth largest metro area in the United States. But I think anyone that knows if you want to break into television, you don't hang out in Houston after you graduate college. The first thing she should have done was pack up her BMW that she just got from her dad, even though she had a whole rant about not wanting a BMW in her college speech. Um, pack that shit up and move to LA. Like if she or, was, or really, New York, yeah. Or if New she York, was yeah. really, really serious about breaking into doing some kind of on the ground kind of work in television, you don't do it in Houston. Houston no, is you not go, like you gotta, an entertainment capital. In you Houston. go to L. You go to L.A., Chicago, or New York. That's what she should have done. So so her kind of, like, staying stuck in Houston and thinking that working for Diane Court's dad at his talk show... <laughs> you mean Frazier's dad? Or Frazier's dad. <laughs> thinking that that was going to be her big ticket into, like, making her, you know, this great television personality. It's like, no, you're wrong. Like, that was, like, her biggest mistake. Um, but then, you know, there's lots of other things she did that was, that was really shitty. And I need to tell you the, the meanest thing I think she said in the whole movie. And she, she had a lot of shitty things to say. I think the meanest thing that she said was when she gets home after she's been fired. They're standing in the kitchen. She's like, okay, oh, everybody, yeah. family meeting. I've been fired. And they're like, well, it's okay. She goes, I'll find something else. And then instantly, Janine Garofalo, Vicky, says, oh, my God, I've got the pro- solution for you. You're hired where I work. I just was the, became the manager at Gap. I need a part-timer. No problem. I'm not going to work at the Gap. Who do you think I am? I mean, that yeah. is the rudest, most fucked up thing I think she says in the whole movie. And, again, there were a lot of nasty things that she says, but to me... That was like, are you, do you hear what you're saying? Do you realize what you're doing? Like your buddy, while maybe she doesn't have a glamorous life, maybe her choosing to work retail doesn't seem stimulating enough for you. That is her choice. And she's making an honest living doing it. So why are you bagging on her? And she's your goddamn roommate and is the one paying the bills now. So what's your fucking problem? I think, I think, you know, you (laughs) fought up. No, no, no. That's cool. You, you have brought up a couple a couple issues about her and just kind of the characters in mm-hmm. general. And and I agree, like, unless you have, like, a cl- pretty clear path laid out career-wise, like, you have discovered what exactly what you want to do, 
and you are very motivated when you're leaving college, you know, it's a lot easier because you've kind of got like that laser focus where, and some people get that laser focus in college, especially in college. I mean, some people, I mean, some people like think they have it figured out in high school, then they go to college and shit changes and whatnot. But, and some people when they're in college, you know, depending on what their circumstances are, are, laser focused Mm -hmm. like this is how I want my life planned out I knew a couple people like that in college and they it might have taken them X amount of years you know not everyone finishes in four years sometimes it takes longer but they pretty much went on that same path like they had their plan they went on that path yeah I think especially if you're going to do like law school or med school or some other kind of teaching or additional education after you graduate college or or you know you you know that it's just the next step or you Mm -hmm. have like financial obligations Mm -hmm. or fan or you meet someone and you're married already or whatever Mm -hmm. the characters in this movie really don't have that I mean, she's the one that has, like, the very clear vision of this is what I want to do. Yeah. But she doesn't... But she kind of lacks some of the ambition. Like, she's done all... The, she's taping her documentary. She's all into her documentary, right? Yeah. But, you know, when you're 23, because that's basically... They say they're, like, 23. Mm-hmm. When you're 23 and you're full of optimism and whatnot, and then you get hit with reality, sometimes, you know, it's kind of a... It's like, holy shit, what the yeah. fuck, right? And and I agree with you that with the industry she wanted to get into, staying in Houston was not really the smartest thing to do. Mm-mm. But she also had an insecurity that probably made her feel like she wasn't going to... She didn't know how successful she was going to be. Now she does start the the show. You think so? she, the, well, she starts the movie out working on a television show in Houston. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know what that lifestyle is like. Like sometimes you have to start small. I mean, if you wa- remember, um, did you watch the you watched the television show, the Apple TV show, the morning show? Mm-hmm. Remember how Reese Witherspoon's character was. Um, she wasn't working for a huge TV, you know, network. Mm-hmm. She was working for something more local and then got discovered, right? Yeah. I guess the point I'm trying to make is is sometimes that reality of leaving college can be kind of shocking. But at the same time, like, in regards to her com- her comment to Vicky, it's like her dad gave her a car mm-hmm. who, you know, she probably could have just gotten a job at her dad's plant doing something in the office and making money but she she just felt entitled and like she was too like she was above like I'm the valedictorian I'm above doing that kind of shit and it was clearly a fucked up thing to say to her friend and there's zero justification for it but I will say this watching this now as you know much old, much yeah. much older than they are. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be in the movie. It's easier to say you're a fucking idiot because we've like seen that life afterwards. She's still in like the 
right she's still riding the trip in her head yeah. and hasn't been stuck with the reality yet it's not until you know she's taking daddy's gas card <laughs> and trying to scam you know get, get scam that thing to to pay the bills yeah that you know maybe she's getting a little bit of a clue yeah. Um, I don't think she could have worked at the dad at her dad's plant because when she came there kind of midway through the movie to talk to him and he says, I want you to show some, in, was it ingenuity? Is that what he kept saying? Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that was his way of saying, I'm not going to, yeah, there's no nepotism here. I'm not hiring you. I don't know if it was no nepotism. Maybe he just saw her kind of as a kind of a, as a slacker like Troy in some ways and didn't want to help her. Well, or, I mean, she, or, or also you have to remember her parents were divorced and maybe there were times where there was tension between sure. him and her that yeah. we don't see in the yeah. movie. Yeah. You know, I, w- I so. would argue as someone, you know, he, she did graduate top of her class and got to be valedictorian. So I don't think there's technically a question about her work ethic. I don't think that's really it. I think he was probably he probably was just tired of her being an arrogant little bitch. I well, think and she that and, was part and, of it. and you're right. You're right because if she wasn't and you know she would have put up with the shit at the to- at the television show more and not gotten fired. Oh yeah, being a PA because she was a production assistant. I mean, if she yeah. had this longer term vision of where she wanted to go, she would have known. She would have had to do to the grunt in, work. You got to put in the grunt okay. work. You've got to just get through it and yep. or you move to an, a city that has a hell of a lot more opportunity and yeah, still start off at the bottom, but make connections, work your way up and then eventually you get to show your real world's you know, kind of documentary that you'd been filming. Um, yeah, so. Hence the reality biting part. Yes, of this. the reality bit pretty hard, mm. but you haven't. I'm so, so you haven't really touched on the the relationship aspect well, of the I characters. Mean, that, well, that that is important, obviously. I mean, and I actually, for as much as you did not enjoy watching it. There was a bit of a when Harry met Sally kind of tension between Troy and Lainey. I mean, they were a lot more nasty to each other. Um, and maybe they had other kind of history or something that we didn't see like in When Harry Met Sally. But this whole if you're going to ever have sex, you're going to completely ruin your relationship. And that's kind of the way it works out. But, I mean, again, I think... I. Th- I feel like Troy really is, like, the most sympathetic person in that love triangle because I think in the end... Now, he was dealing with his father having cancer and dying from cancer. So we... And they don't really explore that a lot. Like, it gets mentioned early on and then later in the film it's dealt with. Um, But I would say that he's dealing with that through most of the movie like that's kind of screwing him up um well, and making well, him question it, yeah how should i spend my life because if in 20 25 years i end up dead like my dad then i want to make sure i'm filling all those 20 25 years with something good and interesting um so he had yeah. a, he had more he he i mean here yeah. he is the philosopher dealing with some really really deep things that like Lainey didn't have to deal with. I mean, she just had to deal with having kind of a career crisis at 23. It's like Jesus Christ, you're 23. I mean, 
you can do a hell of a lot with your life. Calm down. Yeah. Um, but I feel like he's, I think he's fairly sympathetic in this love triangle. I mean, he calls her out right away with the whole Michael thing. Like, she was just pulling his strings the whole time until Michael was able to kind of use the, well, I can maybe get your your show, like your movie on TV, where that kind of had a little bit of power, you know, changing hands. And you know, wow, man, you are you are watching this movie with very different eyes than I am. Like I never even I've seen it a lot. I've never even looked at it from the angle of she was manipulating Michael the Troy whole time. Troy says it. Troy says it to her when they're arguing. I know she, club. but I know she says it to him. But I never really felt like that was actually what she was doing. I thought she was just stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, she was. She was. But I mean, you know, he was so into her, and she was using that. She had the upper hand. I guess that's the. Best I think. Way of I. I, th- I think that I just it, I mean yeah I just I mean maybe right maybe that's the whole point I mean I never really saw it as that I just thought like he was successful and persistent and the opposite of Troy and the reason why she kind of was kind of into Michael was because he wasn't Troy there was something about Troy that she always kind of liked, but I don't think she ever felt like she could have a relationship with him. A romant, like a serious romantic relationship with him. No matter what he said, because he would always, he was like with a different girl all the time, yeah. and he had groupies and all this kind of yeah. stuff, and I don't think she ever wanted to allow herself and allow him to treat her like that like she didn't like she never wanted to be just another one of the girls right and she always just kind of felt like that's how she was going to be so like when when she throws the cigarette into michael's car and then he hits her yeah i think it was kind of like this guy's into me i don't know why this is this is strange but he's so different you know, and he works in, and you're right, he did work in TV, so they had something in common, but maybe, and, but I never saw it as, like, her manipulating the whole situation so she might get the documentary picked up. I never saw it that way. She talked him out of suing her in their first meeting. Did he? No, I mean, really? Was, I mean, yes, that's like when, when they're rushing into See, the I didn't office. even see it that way. I, I saw it as, well, I, mean, not like as I am broke. Was, you yeah, cannot, well, I am she, broke. I'm well, sorry, I well, am broke. <laughs> does that stop people from suing other people? I mean, yeah, you can't get blood out of a turnip, but it doesn't mean that people don't try and people don't sue yeah. people. I mean, yeah. You know, she was she was able to talk him out of suing her for like throwing a lit cigarette into his car and him causing, crashing into her, causing an accident. Yeah. I mean, well, I think I think that the the idea being like at that point, then whose fault is it? Like, is it going to be her fault for throwing this for for throwing the cigarette, or is it going to be his fault for hit because he hit her? And I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to defend Winona Ryder in here. I hate her in this movie. I really do. She's it's, I, it's, she's challenging to watch in this movie. Yeah, I hated her this whole movie. She bugged the crap out of me. It made me start to question. Like, this is what the second Winona Ryder movie we've watched. Dracula than this. Girl interrupted. Oh, and Girl Interrupted. 
I really started to question whether I even like her as an actress. Like, <gasps> oh, I'm wow. watching this movie, I'm like, what movies do I like her in? Well, I like her in Heathers. Beetlejuice. I like her in Heathers. And I like her in Stranger Things. <gasps> and then I like the tiny, non, almost non-speaking part she has in Black Swan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was just like, man. Have you ever I seen really, Mermaids? Oh yeah, I've seen mermaids, and She's I've seen mermaids. I've I've seen parts of Great Balls of Fire. I, I just haven't taken the time to sit down and watch that whole movie. I, I want to, but I'm like, man. And you're not an Edward Scissorhands fan, right? Um, I primarily only don't like that movie because I think it's really depressing, and I and I and I cringe the whole time I watch that movie. Yeah. But no, I I just she's not a likable character. I hate the fact that she's the lead and I have to watch her in almost every fucking scene. And she just drives me crazy in this movie. And I know people love her. Like she's like Mm -hmm. the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, I, I just, this movie just, she bothers me so much in this movie to where I don't really sympathize with her that much at all. I feel bad for Vicky for, and I feel bad for Sam. Sammy, yeah. Sammy, for being her friends and, like, getting shitted on by her. Um, I don't necessarily feel bad for Troy. Because, his dad dies. But his dad like dies. Yeah. No, no, I do there, okay. yeah, of course. But there are things about him that bother me, too. Um, but, again, I, I would, I would almost chalk up his behavior to still being young and I've mentioned this before where like I feel like when you graduate high school and you're 18 there's something about people who graduate who think they know everything Mm -hmm. and then they get thrown in the real world and they realize Mm -hmm. they didn't know anything I think the same thing kind of happens when you leave college and then every decade and then every decade after that it's like I thought I knew everything and then I hit my 30s and so on and so forth yeah she drove me crazy I think you mentioned we kind of mentioned the the cat and mouse game that they play where he's always I mean he tells her I love you and he is serious yeah like four times in this movie Mm -hmm. and she just kind of plays it off like he's full of shit like that's just a line until like the end of the movie when he's like after they sleep together like before he he leaves and he's just like I've never felt this way about anyone in my life Mm -hmm. and I don't want to fuck this up you know Mm -hmm. that kind of thing and she just still kind of treats him shitty like he's like she's not listening to him and it's just like what the fuck is wrong with you but that whole like cat and mouse kind of and and you kind of compared it to when harry met sally and just a tiny bit i mean just it's not just just the kind of their relationship gets totally messed up after they sleep together that's really the main thing that's the similarity but they've always they always had like when they in that movie when they reconnected they still kind of were able to kind of be friends yeah until yeah. that part whereas yeah. in this movie it always seems like she's just like oh you're just you're just gonna come to my house and couch and smoke pot and that's it you know and, and she's and, never and nice to him she's never really nice to Mm-mm. him so um, yeah. she I'll tell you this I mean so you're probably wondering if I can be so like vocal about what an asshole she is in this movie like why do I like this movie so much I know why you like this movie so much it's not just the soundtrack. 
darn. I was really going to guess the soundtrack. <laughs> it's not just the soundtrack. I feel like this movie captures, like, our generation very well. Like, I feel like if anyone needed an explanation of what was it like to be young, not, well, like, high school, college age as a gen In the 90s. In the 90s. In the 90s. I feel like... I'd hand them this movie and say, this is a sample of what it was like. Because it was before internet. It was, you know, just this disillusion that I think a lot of Gen Xers grew up feeling. I mean, her whole spiel about how, you know, the purpose of her video was how do graduating college kids move forward and navigate their life when we didn't really have any heroes to look up to. And... Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, we grew up in the late 70s and the 80s and in high school in the 90s. And I mean, that resonated with me a lot. And I feel like there there is no way you watch this movie and not know it's from the 90s. Like it's dated in that way. And that's fine because there's so many cultural references that I'm excited about. Like like just this whole kind of like. I don't want to say stealing, but really trying to imitate what, like, the real world was. I mean, I don't remember yeah. how much you watched that show, but I loved the real world. I, I mean, watched probably every season until it went back to New York. So That sounds about right. I mean, I watched at least... I watched at least, like, the first six seasons, I'd say. And, and I don't I remember would say, when it went back to New York, but I... And I would say that show for I mean I think they still do it I don't even know if they still do it but at least for like the first six seasons of that show it really was like this focus like there was always like a forced love interest kind of thing going on in the show but it wasn't until after like the sixth season where they were like intentionally trying to get people to hook Mm. up and it was more like what the premise of the show was with like this is the real world, like people getting having jobs and being mm-hmm. forced to live with each other yeah. and f- kicking out roommates and all this other kind of shit. Whereas, like, I think the other seasons, you know, the later seasons were basically about partying and hooking up, yeah. you know, and that's what it was. So yeah, I so, so I feel like so and I think and maybe that's a different gener and now that a new generation was coming in to watch it, maybe that's why they were focusing yeah. on that. I yeah. don't know. So, but I feel like this movie is kind of in some ways is like a movie version of watching the real world TV show, which again, we we grew up watching. Um, that of course to me is what I feel is like the be- very beginnings of reality TV, which as you yeah. know, I watch reality TV still. Um, yeah. It's very different now, but. You know, that's where kind of it originates. <clears throat> so because I love real world so much, this movie, I feel, is similar to that. So there's that. But also, yes. Well, on that topic, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, because you had brought this up and earlier, the scene when they go to the premiere Ugh. of the show <laughs> and she's just like, what the fuck is this? It's like this. Mo- it's like probably to me the most cringeworthy scene in the entire movie because yeah. it's so awkward and yeah. the way they cut her videos. Like because you had seen some of the footage beforehand and then the way they cut it later makes it seem so cartoonish and yeah. immature and just terrible because it's supposed to be in your face, right? Yeah. That scene, like, drives me crazy. But you brought up something earlier where you said Michael 
cut it all up and destroyed it and made mm. it something that it, that wasn't she intention. But in the movie, that's not the way it, he plays it out. He plays it out as if he didn't know what was happening. And so you see, true. so you think he's lying? Like he, it was well, his whole plan, or do you think that he he knew and he didn't want to tell her? I think it's a combination <clears throat> of it. I mean, I think he presented her raw footage. What what felt like raw footage to them, but for her was a completed piece of work. He presented that to them as, oh, my God, oh, my God, look at this. This is so great. Look at these people. And instead of, I, I don't think he did anything to respect the integrity of what she put together. I do not feel like he was an advocate for her and her work mm. in any way, shape, or form. I think he just took her work brought it to the executives and said look at this what can we make with it and he you could say he was dumb you know you could say that he acted unintentionally without like he didn't mean to act malicious but he did not fight to make sure it was i mean he didn't even watch it he didn't even yeah. bother to watch it before. And he was promising her all these things. And instead of just saying, I know that we added some lower thirds and some titles and some graphics that you didn't do, or maybe you don't have a graphics guy that you work with that can put it together, but we have those people, so we wanted to spruce it up. Instead of even warning her that that kind of stuff would happen, like, you know, because the whole point of his network and that kind of show was you got to monetize it. You've got to make it interesting. And, yeah. and the fact that their criticism was, it's just too boring. And it's like, that wasn't her point. Her point was, no, you want to watch them have these long story. conversations. And yeah. I mean, the fact that like, you know, the fact that like AIDS is such a, I mean, I felt like that was important to have in a movie that came out in 1994. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a huge important factor of this movie. And like, they have like Vicky going to the clinic to get tested. And of course, with Sammy talking about, you know, coming out to his parents, how he even says, you know, I've stayed celibate maybe because I'm afraid of AIDS. Like, I mean, that's, that's an important conversation. And again, I'm right. glad that this movie includes that. I think it's really important. I mean, we heard about it a lot. I mean, even yeah. season three of the real world in San Francisco, Pedro Zamora is such an, he's like the main character and he died. He had AIDS and then he died before the final airing of the show. Yeah. Um, so, so anyways, there's a lot about, what this movie kind of captures about that time frame that again I feel is very important and again if someone asked me to explain what was what was it like I'd probably hand it to them now I would also tell them it's set in Texas but you're not going to find a single Texas accent which is a little annoying I mean Troy well, is from it, Chicago it, so yeah. I well, give him credit but none of the other three main characters had a hint of an accent so it seemed a little fishy. None of the people in the movie had a hint of an accent her, really. I think her dad did and I think Susie, Cor Susie Kurtz did, her mom. I think the two of them attempted an accent. But it's crazy. They filmed, they did film it in Houston. So. <clears throat> but wow, you, you're kind of like blowing my mind on, on, on this idea of like let, let's throw this angle at you. Maybe Michael was using her like as much as she was using him, he was using her to get money to like try and sell the show to get the money he didn't get for the car accident. 
no. maybe he was that maybe he was that conniving. I don't know no? about that. No. Okay. But see, this, again, I don't actually think of this movie as a romantic comedy. I mean, it it is. I understand that it is, but I don't think of it that way. I mean, I think about you wa- it. You as, watch it as. Go I ahead. think of it as like, you know, what are these graduating college seniors gonna do with the rest of their lives? I mean, maybe in a similar way of kind of like with say anything, the way that they're about to embark on this next phase of their life, and all of the kind of questions and struggles that they have. You know, like how do they how do they face that head on, and what do they do next? Like, that's the kind of more that I think about. Now, of course, the love triangle stuff is interesting, and I mean, again, I don't know how for a millisecond she's remotely attracted to Michael when she's got Troy on in her house. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> but again, he did need to wash his hair through the whole movie, and that was probably the my biggest my biggest uh, complaint about him was that his hair was way too greasy. Um, but I don't know. I I like this movie a lot. Like I said, I've probably seen it 10 or 15 times. Um, I'm a big Ethan Hawke fan. I am a big Winona Ryder fan, even though, again, she's she drives crazy in this movie. To watch in this movie. But yeah. all of that said, who do you think my favorite character is? Janine Garofalo. That is correct. It's my favorite character, too. She's amazing. She's got some she's, of the best, the best lines. She's the best in this movie. I mean, she's she's got great lines. I, I think the movie wouldn't work if she wasn't in it. Um, she really you definitely needed it. you. Yeah, you needed someone to kind of slap Winona Ryder's character in the face, mm-hmm. and she and she does it. She mm-hmm. does it fine. She doesn't, and she doesn't like treat her like she's some sort of saint or anything like that. Mm-hmm. She she sees her for her faults and lets her know. Yeah, I was good. So she's my favorite character. I really like Steve Zahn in this movie, mm-hmm. even though his Great. part isn't. This is my second favorite Steve Zahn role. Um, What's your first favorite? I love him in Out of Sight. I just think he's oh, so great in that movie. That. I don't remember him in that. We will watch that. That's such a great. I love that movie. But um, and you know, it's funny is I haven't. I realized I I probably haven't seen Ethan Hawke in a ton of movies. <laughs> it's it's like I don't follow his career like crazy, and. Um, it, it, that will it, be changing over the course of the next. Few like months. I like like there's there's some movies that I really that the, the movies that I've seen him in I really like. The other thing I want to mention too is like Ben Stiller directed this mm-hmm. and he acted in it, and this is really kind of bef- like around the time where like he tried to have a, a a show. You know, he had the Ben Stiller show that was on Fox for like a mm-hmm. blip, and it was a sketch comedy show, mm-hmm. and that it's before like the Ben Stiller that we know really kind of surfaced, you know. Yeah. It's before Mystery Men and Zoolander and all that kind of stuff. So And um Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Tenenbaums and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely kind of a different Ben Stiller than mm. you would see too. So um but he but it was after um Empire of the Sun. You know, he remember he was in that for he had a oh, brief yeah. role in that. Super yeah, I did want to mention two more things as far as actors in this. Um, let's give it up for Renee Zellweger as Tammy. You didn't even notice that was her, huh? 
the first girl at the beginning of the movie when Troy is is like kissing oh, wow. someone goodbye okay, that's her. and okay. immediately I was like, is that Renee Zellweger? And I looked it up and it's like Renee Zellweger as cool. Tammy. So, um, so that was good. But um, you mentioned it earlier. I was going to kind of slightly tease you about it, but. I really feel like the popularity of this movie, and and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about singles, where like soundtracks really kind of drove popularity of a movie. And clearly, Lisa Loeb and her career was definitely driven because of this movie. Her yep. Stay song was yep. on the soundtrack. It's in the movie. It was on MTV and VH1 in heavy rotation when this movie had come out. Um, but um, I want to tell a per- we're going to tell a personal story here. There's another song that came out from this movie that became popular. It was popular years and years before, but it got new popularity because of this movie, The Nax My Sharona. Uh-huh. And. In 1994, the our local alternative radio station, Live 105, started a festival that they would do every year called BFD. And you and I went to that first BFD. Mm. We ditched sixth period of school. Mm. And we went to that concert. And why am I mentioning that? Because The Knack performed at that concert. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you don't remember that? That, that that concert is a bit of a blur for me. We there were so many acts in that concert, so I I'm kind of crazy on it. But yeah, we went to that and cool. and that was like the one song anyone ever knew that at that yeah. concert yeah. <laughs> at that festival. Yeah. But um, that was I remember going to that and it was Beck and Green Day and the Rollins Band and Frente and just like a bunch of random ass alternative bands that were popular in 1994. Yeah, we we saw the Knack play that show. <laughs> I I have listened to this soundtrack a million times. I mean, that I'm is, sure. Yeah, this is definitely this has been a road trip soundtrack. It's yeah, this is in heavy rotation. And actually, this is going to sound kind of backwards, but. In the movie, right after, like in the club, right after Troy and Lainey and Michael kind of have their confrontation, and he gets up on stage and starts singing "Add It Up." That was really the violent my, femmes. That was really the, my introduction yep. to the Violent Femmes. I'd never, yeah. I hadn't really heard about them before. But then after that, I was like, "Who is this band?" So um, I learned more about Violent Femmes after that, and of course, the, the original version of their the song is better than Ethan Hawks. Ethan Hawks, yes, yes. But yeah, I mean, th- again, this the like in the 90s, it was like the thing to where like you had a movie and you put out a soundtrack to it even if the soundtrack had zero to do with the movie and record labels knew if they just put a bunch of bands on a on a CD that from their label or whatnot, they could get they could make more money to go with the movie, so. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scene? Um, my favorite scene in this movie, it might be the scene when they the the scene when they play when my Sharona plays and they go to the 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 gas, the, station. The, the gas station, and just the look on Ethan Hawke's face when they're dancing to, yeah. is just like 
he gives like this like really small like smirky smile and i'm just like yeah this pretty much sums up all the characters in this movie right (laughs) (laughs) but um probably that scene and um yeah that's about it because it cannot be a scene that does not have Jeannie Garofalo in it because really mm. she was the only she was she had a lot more lines than Steve Zahn did and she made the movie watchable for me mm-hmm. in a lot of parts just because I just couldn't get into the other characters but well even though I it, said uh, this isn't a romantic comedy I'll tell you my two favorite I'll just use two favorite scenes is when um Troy is taking Laney on his um, tour of all the places that he's been fired, and they yeah. have their conversation about you just need um, five bucks cigarettes and coffee, you, you, good conversation. You just need, yeah, um, me, you, and five bucks. Yep. Um, and then, oh my God, okay. First, before I finish this, so much smoking, so much smoking. It's weird to watch so much smoking, but. Anyways, um, that, I love that scene. I love because it, it seems like in that moment he's ready to kind of go to that next level with her, but she's not mm-hmm. ready, and you know he's kind of his ego's super wounded and whatever. But then my other favorite scene is the very end when they she's rushing around and is about to go find him, and then as he's the, out, he's as the out cab outside. drives away, he's standing there, and then he kind of just spills this huge apology on her and she's just standing there listening and it's very romantic so it's very much like the end of when When Harry met Sally when he rushes to the New Year's Eve party like there's a similar feel to that because anyways but so those are my two favorite scenes so even though I said I don't think this necessarily is a romantic comedy here I'm picking the two most romantic scenes in my opinion (laughs) as my favorite scenes so well, there you go. So, did you expect that we'd have this kind of a discussion about this movie? Um. Yes. <laughs> I had a feeling that you'd be more annoyed with Winona Ryder in this movie now than like I don't. I wasn't sure like if we were doing this podcast at the age that they were in this movie, like we were doing this, you know, and I was twenty three and you were twenty blah 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 (laughs) and um coming out of you know coming from the same background that they were coming from i wonder if i have a feeling our discussion about this movie might be a little different probably um i I think we would have sympathized with her more and not seen we we probably would have felt like her idealism like like she deserves to feel the way she's feeling instead of thinking she's just being an entitled bitch um but anyways does that make does that mean that when we were in our mid and early 20s we were entitled bitches possibly i mean <laughs> i doubt it i mean i'm not i, I was happy i was I, I i took a job as a receptionist right after right out of college and i was happy with it and then i ended up working at that place for eight years and you ended up working there for a long time too so that that job became a lot more than just me being a receptionist and i think i, I kind of instinctively knew i wanted to just get my foot in a door my foot in the door at a place and see where it can go and it it led me you know i've stayed an accountant all these years so i think that i think that there is definitely a people don't want to feel like they're gonna they're going down the wrong path or getting trapped you know when they think you know they have ideas of what their life is going to be and 
I'm not saying that about me or you or anything mm-hmm. like that, but her idea of not wanting to to work at the Gap oh. was clouded by her vi- her her vision of what she thought her life would be and yeah. not reality. And the reality is, is you need to pay the fucking bills and you can pay. She she could, it was a part-time job that she didn't even have to really give a shit about because she probably never would have gotten fired because her best friend was the manager. She could have, she could have folded those shirts in the most shitty way possible. She could have treated everyone else at that place like shit and never gotten fired and not cared about that job. But no, she had to stick it to, to Vicky and, and and demean her job. And guess what? L- Lainey right now is probably not wearing a mask and like, yeah. going to party, going to parties. Whereas Vicky is is freaking owning the gap. I don't know. But um, the other sh- the other like you mentioned Renee Zellweger, the other awesome cameo. Which one, David Spade or Andy Dick? <laughs> David Spade. And like David totally, Spade is totally so good. owning her when he said, "At eighty-five and forty-five right now, uh, one forty, no, no, one fifty. No. It's not an auction." <laughs> it was like, yeah, it's like you know, she'd worked at the Gap. The the register would have told her exactly how much change to give the guy. So I mean, yeah, but no, she shit on that and couldn't even work at, couldn't even be. A wiener schnitzel cashier. So you got time to lean. You got time to clean. Come on, buddy. Right. And then uh, I liked I liked the Andy Dick cameo. And Andy Dick and Ben Stiller worked together in mm. in a lot of ways. He, Andy Dick was on Ben Stiller's show, and then Andy Dick always does like does a lot of cameos and mm. whatever thing that Ben Stiller is is making. And uh, him as the scummy like. Like Warm. video pirate guy, <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> I almost wanted him to say, "Am I wearing an eye patch? Do I look like a pirate?" <laughs> um, but, yeah. All right. <sighs> well, I'm glad we got to go- glad we got to talk about this movie. Glad that you suffered through it, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, our discussion makes you have a different opinion of it or a different appreciation for it. I seriously. At one point, I think I fell asleep, and it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I had seen it before, but I was yeah. just like, man, I was just so not into this movie. Okay, well, it happened. It could be. We've watched worse. So, but a movie that was not worse than this is my movie. Would you like to say something? The movie we're going to talk about was my favorite movie of 2011. Nancy's favorite movie. Nancy's favorite movie of 2011. Yep. Midnight in Paris was another one that I loved that year, but this was my favorite movie from that year. Crazy, stupid love. A movie whose title was basically a contest on the set because they could not find a title for this movie and someone came up with crazy stupid love and won an iPad from the director and the and the producers <laughs> crazy stupid love stars Steve Carell the funny Steve Carell the lovely Julianne Moore and this was the movie this was the movie that made me fall in love 
with Ryan Gosling. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey, girl. Um, I think it made all of us for, fall in love with Ryan no, Gosling. No, well, well, women, I think, already fell in love with him with The Notebook. Not me. I had never seen but, it. But, um, but yeah, him, Ryan Gosling in this movie, I was like... I yeah. I like this guy. Yeah. I mean, not that I am anything like Ryan Gosling in this movie. I am definitely more Steve Carell than I am Ryan Gosling. <laughs> do you wear but, cl- do you wear clothes that are a size too big for you? Is that one of your problems? That is not my problem. But and I am not a cuckold. I have not. My okay. wife did not cuckold me. I'm not a cuckold. She you cuckolded mean, me. She, she didn't sleep with, um, with David, David Lynn Hagen. No. Thank God. No, this movie is, um, for those of you who are want, would like a recap, hopefully you've seen it, because we're going to spoil it. Um, this movie uh, starts with Steve Carell and Julianne Moore having dinner and her asking him for a divorce and then admitting that she cheated on him. Him being devastated, them separating, and... In his depression, he's going to the same bar that Ryan Gosling is going to, and he decides to take it upon himself to reinvent Steve Carell's character. I forget what his first name is. Jacob and Cal. Cal Weaver, yes. Mm -hmm. And Ryan Gosling is Jacob. And he takes him shopping which is one of my favorite oh, yeah. which is probably my, one of my all-time favorite scenes in this movie Matt, where be better than the gap be better than where be Vicky better works. than the gap be better, be better than, than the where Janine Garofalo as Vicky works when he when, when he when he first sees him at the mall when he goes to do the and he's like what is that on your feet and he's just like oh they're my 407s oh your 407s can I see them and he takes them off and just throws them off the balcony he's like what are you doing and he's like are you Steve Jobs are you the are you the founder of Apple computer and he just goes on and on but probably in that whole sequence when he takes out his wallet and it's the Velcro wallet and he opens it up and he gives him this look like what? And then later he like he just opens the wallet and he's just like, Where can we see some of your wallets? Yeah, excellent. And then like that whole scene and, and just the two of them together, like every Perfect. scene with the two of them together are are both funny and like poignant mm-hmm. and just great to watch. But Another kind. There's two other kind of love stories kind of going on. The first is between is Cal and Julianne Moore's character Emily. They have a son named Robbie who is what you think 13. like twelve? He's 13. thirteen. He's thirteen, and he is in love with his babysitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the whole movie, he is doing things to try and get her to like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to say there's three romances going on. In this, the third romance is between Jessica, the babysitter, who won't tell him, but is in love with Cal, mm-hmm. <laughs> an older guy, the, an, an older guy. <laughs> and then there's another story going on, and we're not really, sh- and and it's and it's kind of Jacob's love story where he meets. Emma Stone at a bar. Her name is Hannah. 
and he does his whole ploy to like hit on her all the tricks that he does and she doesn't go for it which of course makes him want her more it makes her look so stupid i mean her her girlfriend is like what's wrong with you you need to to go home with him right now because because justin buble is is that her other boyfriend's name no, it's um, no, it's Josh Groban. Josh Groban. Josh Groban. Because Josh Groban is human Valium. We cannot let you continue on the yeah. path with this guy who's as interesting as Lint. Come on. Yeah. So, you know, she thinks that her boyfriend uh, Richard, who played by Josh Groban, yeah. who is a lawyer, and she's trying to be a lawyer too. She thinks like they're gonna end up getting married. And he ends up just offering her a partnership instead of a wedding proposal. So she gets so pissed at him that she storms out of a restaurant when they're having a celebration of her passing the bar, goes right to the bar where Jacob is always at, kisses him, and then goes home with him. And then instead of them having the like crazy R-rated you know, night together, they end up actually having conversations and talking and, and he, a whole different night than what she has. And they don't just talk. They do the move. Yeah, they do the move. The 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 <laughs> dirty dancing move. And and just he's everything about how this is all played out is so great. Oh yeah. And it's funny and it's well acted and this is like a crazy ensemble cast when you think about it. You've got Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Julianne Moore, Emma Stone. Just that alone is is big. But then David Lindhagen is Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. One of the women that Cal hooks up with, who ends up being Robbie's teacher in school, is Marissa Tomei. Yep. She's, um, and she's really his first like attempt the first of, person that she yeah, hooks up so, with and so and then he's got all yeah. the confidence in the world yeah. um of course lame ass josh groban jessica's parents are john carroll lynch mm-hmm. who was in zodiac, zodiac. Mm-hmm. great and beth littleford who was on the daily show yep. i think yep. for a while so <laughs> a really nice ensemble cast here this movie was written um by dan fogelman who is now popular because of his creation and writing on the show This Is Us, which has an interest... There's an interesting connection I'd like to make between This Is Us and this movie. Okay, go ahead. So this movie plays out where Cal, he's, you know, been reinvented by Jacob, Ryan Gosling's character. He's been reinvented... But he realizes, you know, through meeting other women and then having a clash with one of them and and Emily, he realizes Emily's the first person he ever fell in love with. He's known her since high school, and she is his soulmate. Yeah. And he kind of was so devastated by her cheating on him and how their relationship had just changed to where that would happen that he realizes I need to continue after having a conversation with his 13 year old son that he needs to continue fighting for her so he plans this really big kind of moment where mm-hmm. like recreating their first date I and think. recreating their first date right 
And at this time, Jacob and is like having a relationship with Hannah, Emma Stone's character, and they're kind of hitting it off. And Cal keeps trying to call him to get advice, and Jacob's not there, and he's like, "Oh my god!" He, one of my favorite lines in the movie is, um, "Hey, um, you're." You're, you know, this is like the tenth time I've called you. You know, I'm, I'm imagining that you're suffo- you've been suffocated under a pile of women, yep. and I just love that. Yep. Um, he finally gets in touch with him, and because Jacob now wants advice, mm-hmm. like I've, I'm, and he says, you know, I'm on my way to go meet this girl's mom, and you know, and and I, I've never done this before. This is so crazy. I'm the ladies' man, and you're the one, to, and you're the one that knows about relationships. And what am I supposed to do? And he gives him advice, and then the twist of the movie happens. And I think one of the, besides it being funny, and Ryan Gosling being somewhat charming, and just all the things about it. When the twist happened the first time I saw this movie, and my wife had seen this movie already, so I hadn't seen it, so she and she like kept it shut, and she wanted to see my reaction. But the twist is, Hannah is Cal and Emily's daughter, and she's older, living her life, and they and you never see them interact. And a couple times they mention, "Oh, I had a conversation with Nana." And you think that it's, like, their mom or, like, a grandparent or something like that. But it's, no, it's Hannah because when she was a kid, she couldn't say Hannah. She was just, she would always say Nana. Mm -hmm. And and she became Hannah Banana. Mm -hmm. And she brings Jacob to the house to meet the mom, and Cal's there. And they have this whole kind of confrontation. And then... And then David Lindhagen shows up, and then Jessica's dad shows up, and they have this whole big clash, and it's just this great kind of moment in the movie where all the characters just kind of collide. You're David Lindhagen? You're oh, David and then, he, and then he just takes off his ring and goes and, <laughs> and, and hits him. Yeah. It's so great. And then, ultimately, it kind of feels like it's like this huge c- c- collision, and time passes, and then everything turns out all fine and dandy at the yeah. end, and everyone's all happy, honky dory shit. But I think, and, and, and I guess the things that make me like this movie is it is funny. It's excellent. It's so funny. It never feels overly cheesy. I agree. I mean, and and even like some of the dialogue, it's not like cheesy rom-commy dialogue it's like very the whole, mature and it's very mature like the, like when emma stone is at his his place and she's like so what's your next big move and what do you do and blah 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 blah. and he and then she's and she's kind of drunk and she's like just take your shirt off and she's like fuck what are you photoshopped <laughs> i mean that was in the trailer but stuff like that like so when you see when you see the context of it and all that it's just so great so it's it's well written and is it the greatest movie in the fucking universe? No. But if I'm going to have to watch, like, a romantic comedy, I would much rather watch this than When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. And, and now, I will, I will say this. I think it's kind of fucked up, but yet it, it's nice to see. Like, this is a movie where the main character isn't a woman who gets her heart broken because a man cheats on her. 
this is a this is about a man mm-hmm. who gets his heart broken because a woman, his wife, cheats on him. Mm-hmm. And not that that hasn't been done before, but I think that that is kind of an interesting thing, an interesting way to see it, and, and another to watch that kind of journey. And then it's the same thing. Like his son's heart is broken because mm-hmm. he keeps trying to go after the girl, and she's and she just keeps. I mean, there is kind of a big age difference there. I think. Um, well, especially maybe in those it, ages. Uh, yeah, four years yeah. between thirteen and seventeen is a huge age difference. Right. Especially when the thirteen-year-old is the boy. Right. No, I totally agree. And we never kind of really know how old Ryan Gosling is in this movie. Like, we know... Shy of 30. We know... We we pretty much know that Emma Stone is in her mid to late 20s because she's going to law school. Cal says he had her when she was... When he was 17. And Julianne Moore later in the movie says she's 45. Mm -hmm. So you know that... You know, she's at least like... 27, mm-hmm. 26, and that would 27. Make sense after yeah. Graduating college yeah. and then going to law school. And then, and then, you know, they had Hannah and then eventually had Robbie and, um, the other, their daughter, Molly, you know, years later after they had probably been more established, mm-hmm. you know, and they felt like they could have, you know, they could, they could swing it. So I don't know. I, again, as romantic comedies go, this one, I love. Yeah. I think a lot of it was, like, this was probably, like, my real introduction to Ryan Gosling. And I, like, heard the name. But then I saw this movie and I was like, fuck. Who's <laughs> that guy? <clears throat> but, and then, like, then I found out more about him and how he has, like, some, like, crazy, like, goth piano band that he is in called, um... The deadly bo- the deadly bones or something like that and you should check it out it's pretty interesting and he's um, married to Eva Mendez yes he's married to Eva Mendez but he and he was a Disney kid yeah I mean I didn't yeah I didn't know a lot about him but I, I, I don't know I mean and and, I love, and obviously Steve Carell like I love The Office so seeing him in this it was great and it's hard not and, to root for Steve Carell and uh, I mean Julianne Moore I love those redheads I mean come on I'm not gonna and then I've never like been a huge Emma Stone fan like I love her in Superbad and I like her in some some things but you know I'm not like I don't go and see movies because Emma Stone's in them mm. you know but uh, I don't dislike her now, now while I while I always root for Steve Carell and everything, the only part rewatching this today, the only part of the movie that I felt was a little weak was how much he was angry at Hannah and Jacob. Like that seemed. Like, I think that was just. I think that was a shock because. But I mean, his he, intense he no, reaction. It's like how how dare he think he can forbid his grown daughter from dating someone. I mean, it just, it was like such an overreaction and that he didn't do anything to like get over it, especially since Jacob like punched the shit out of David Lindhagen. Like that is yeah. all he should have, that's all he needed to know. Like this guy in front of his girlfriend. Still has my back. He still has my his, back. In know. front of his girlfriend's mom, who he's got to impress, he's like, oh, hell no, David Lindhagen. You know, like yeah. it just, that was the only real weakness to me was just I felt his overreaction was just too much. I mean, they could have just had a conversation or like said, wait a second, wait a second. This is really wild. I know how you treat women. 
what the hell? I need to know more about your situation here. And yeah, but then again, we wouldn't have had the, the last twenty minutes of drama. Now I know. No, I mean it is a movie. They have to. I mean, there's reality, and then I mean. I think that he had seen how she was and, like, what he had taught her. And I think that's also a reaction to, like, how he didn't like what he had become. Yeah. Yeah. So... He'd become this player that just seemed... Right. You know. Um, I, you mentioned earlier about Dan Fogelman being the writer and how he also wrote This Is Us. Listeners, This Is Us is the show that Matt and his wife and I all talk about. Like, this is the show that all three of us still watch and really enjoy well, well, and I, I wouldn't say we always talk about it. I mean we talk about it a lot I, I mean lately we've talked a lot about Cobra Kai but <laughs> no but I, but I mean in terms of, like it's a show that we've talked about for, ever since it was on and and it's a show full of twists I think that's what Matt was getting at with yes it is full it, it is full of twists but it's it's definitely I mean the main show that all of us are we stay we stay current with we're not none of us are letting it stack up and bi- you know and have to binge it later it, there are not yeah as far as network television shows i think it is the only weekly network show that i really watch now i think and, me too and 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 a lot of that is because it it touches on so many different things yeah, you know exactly. it's not just it's not just like a drama about romance or family it's it's got a lot of different things in it which is which i find interesting and mm-hmm. and it's kind of, i would say that it's kind of it's kind of similar to the parenthood television show mm-hmm. only that it's focusing on a family yeah. and like the different aspects of those families and everything it's on the same network that yeah that parenthood was on to kind of fill that void but i think the thing that makes it different is how it jumps through time mm-hmm. you know it does the time yeah jumping and the flashbacks and everything and and Milo Ventimiglia is probably on that same kind of like level as probably Ryan Gosling for some people so yeah, he's, he's very cute. <laughs> but, but um, I feel like um it, it makes sense I had forgotten that Dan Fogelman had written Crazy Stupid Love and why saw that and put it together today. I was like, oh my god, of course. Because he isn't just focusing on, like, one couple. He's focusing on, like, basically three different ages of couples. Because even though Hannah and her siblings are all related, I mean, she really is, like, a different generation. She's more, she's, like, 12, 15 years older than her brother. So, I mean, she really, she grew up different. She grew up kind of like an only child in a lot of ways. Um, so you get this these three different ages of um, love stories, and and then of course, like you were saying earlier, the whole the whole trick with this who's this Nana person? It's like people yeah. call their grandma Nana. I mean, we never did, right. but you know, so they threw us for that little twist. But no, I love this movie. This movie is is so great. I mean, Marissa Tomei. Oh my god, oh, I, so good. I could watch. I, I could just watch her as that character. Over and over. I mean, I really feel like I really worry, like wonder about her career because you know, she's she's had kind of a she's never with with the exception of her Oscar Oscar win for My Cousin Vinny. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's never really been like a Meryl Streep lead actress kind of character. But man, the quality of her work is it, like great. when she's on screen, she is so good. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if. Uh, it's the roles that she chooses. You know, I mean, a lot. Of, 
very briefly, I'd like to mention, you know, women have to make a lot of a lot of life choices when it comes to careers, you know, as far as, like, family and everything, and a lot of that is social, and some of that is just how things work and whatnot, and, um, like, Phoebe Cates, she just quit acting, yeah. you know, to raise her family and everything, and, and that's great. <clears throat> so, it's hard to say, like, why Marissa Tomei did, you know, has, you know, she's a great actress, everyone loves her, no one should, I don't think I've ever seen her do anything that I've absolutely hated, um, but you know, career-wise, you know, she has the ab- <clears throat> she has the acting ability and the likability to really like be better than Sandra Bullock. Is I guess I guess what I'm getting because <laughs> you know you feel that the two of them would be up for similar roles. Like they're like, I think they have a similar ca- similar look and everything. Um, so, but. Um, or even like she could be like if she wanted to, I th- I feel like she could be at the point of like a Julia Roberts. You know, I I, I actually feel that way. No, she's um, excellent. But again, we know from you know, like I've said, choices that actresses have to make, you know, or choose to make in their lives for their career, um, choices that are made for them because of terrible producers and movie makers who blackball actresses and treat them like shit there's things like that too so um again i just want to give that kind of kudos (laughs) to marissa tomei because she is excellent in this and then she gets to be peter parker's aunt may in the spider-man movies aunt may her hot aunt may yeah so anyway uh, i don't think she's hurting if she's been in marvel movies not no, um, but she. But I don't want to leave listeners hanging because I mentioned the whole asshole aspect of yes. this, and um, the scene. There's a scene where Robbie is in class and he's texting Jessica. You know how much she loves how much she loves him or he loves her and everything like that. And Marissa Tomei, the teacher, is like, oh. You know, can you, t- you know, they're about to study the Scarlet Letter, and he's like, Well, what do you think the A stands for? And he goes, and he stands up and he's like, I think this mo- the A stands for assholes. Because this is a love story about a bunch of assholes, and, and just goes on and on and on. And um, that that's the asshole connection. Yeah, so he's, he has an asshole scene, and then. And then that later comes up comes up because when they're discussing it at the parent teacher night, Marissa Tomei is just basically calling Cal an asshole for not calling her back. Yep. Yeah. I do want to point out in the scene at the apartment when Steve Carell brings her home, they do an homage to the graduate when she pops her leg up yes. on the table and the camera yeah. is peering through her leg. Just love that so much because uh, we'll eventually talk about the graduate. But. No. So good. I'll just tell you real quick. My two my two favorite scenes. I'm going to pick two is um, when Hannah and Jacob have the date at his house and like the dirty dancing scene. But then just them having this long conversation for hours and hours. And then the scene. Do you have, I have coin bears. You have coin bears. Yeah, <laughs> I have all I have all fifty states of coin bears. So awesome. I'm glad that I have, he says. I have calf pants. <laughs> just for your calves. I'm glad that he says that when his father had passed away, he'd inherited all of that. Because it makes, it's one of those things, like, sometimes when you see someone who's so wealthy at a young age, you're like, how the hell? Like, how is this yeah. finance? But he yeah. kind of clears that up. Um, yeah. 
and mentions he bought the massage chair for $5,000 and used it twice. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I love that scene. And like you said earlier, the last scene, that scene where it's all revealed who, you know, that Hannah is this connection between Cal and Jacob. That's not, I would say my favorite scene, the date scene is great, but I love the scene at the mall. The mall scene is that great. That is also excellent. <laughs> that, you know, when he's like, I don't, I don't need new jeans. He's like, you have a mom butt. <laughs> Do you want to have a mom butt? No. And then, you know, the wallets. And then, and then when, when uh, Cal is getting dressed and he and Ryan Gosling is hitting on the, on the, the stylist. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, um, what are you doing later? And she's like, I don't know. He's like, I know what you're doing later. And she's like, and, and Cal's just like, that worked? She's like, yeah, it did. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And that kind of, I guess, I guess there are, there are times when I have hints of that confidence, but, <laughs> and just in my life in general, not with women, because I'm married and I love my wife. Um, but, <laughs> but um, there are times when, um, well, I'll say this. There's times when I have to have that. You, when you, when even when you're, when you are in a relationship, when you have to have that confidence, and and that kind of confidence is very like, wow, man, that was fucking, that was badass what that guy just did. So, well, I think I think the mall scene highlights, you know, the other main part of this movie, which is, I mean, they reference it, the kind of mentor student Mr. Miyagi kind of quality yeah. where it seems Oh my like god, you you Miyagi'd me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, cuz again, we've we've mentioned it a few times and we talked about Karate Kid, but Matt and I both love that franchise and especially love Cobra Kai, so it's so, fun anyway. to talk about. But. My favorite <sighs> character in this movie is oh, yeah. definitely um probably Ryan Gosling's character, even though you like, it's just it's because of he's funny too. He has got great lines and everything, but he's and the, st- he's the reason everything gets healed. I mean, yeah. if Cal had never met him, he would have gone around as the schlubby guy in oh, yeah. New Bounds yeah. and yeah. never would have become like grown into the man he needed to be. And well, and he he might not have been. He might not have like. You know, I, I've been in a really great relationship for a very long time, and so I've never been in the situation that he's in, nor and and I don't want to be, and I don't, and I haven't, and a lot of my close friends have not been in that situation, so I can't really. I have one co. I have a coworker who I work very closely with who is kind of in this situation where he's had kids and everything. Oh, like and, like and, Cal's situation. Yeah, Cal's situation where his wife left him or cheated on him. And um, David Lynn Hagen. Fucking David Lynn Hagen. Mm. I do love the scene too. Uh, when Robbie meets him oh and he puts God. the chair up so he can look down at him. But um, anyway, my point, my, the point I was going to get at is just Cal uh, being in that situation. And um, I haven't really had to like be the Jacob in that, in that mm-hmm. relationship or thank God the Cal in that relationship. Yeah. It's fun to watch the two of them. Oh, they're they're so great. So. I mean, like I said, you already want to root for Steve Carell, but yeah. just, and and to see that 
Jacob is giving him a lot of slaps in the face and a lot of tough oh, yeah. love and just really, I mean, saying some really harsh truths to him. But, no, but it, it oh, oh, that's him. what I, that's it what I was gonna say. Him. That's what I was gonna say. Is is we don't know, like we don't get to see what their marriage was like before the divorce, mm-hmm. like that night of the divorce. So we don't know like how bad their relationship had gotten. Mm-hmm. Like had it been whether it was in um, in an intimate way or just like how one of them, like what their daily life was like or how, why yeah. to, that would have driven her to cheat on him. So I think that because of that, like you said, you're always kind of rooting for him. But we didn't know really how he needed to change. Yeah. We didn't know what he needed to do. But Ryan Gosling saw this person who he felt had potential. Yeah. To and kind of be a better person. And, and yeah, yeah. And maybe that would kind of heal the relationship or bring a new spark into the relationship with his with his wife. Yeah. So I, anyway. I do want to point out one of my favorite lines is when David Lynn Hagen says, look, I got excited about getting up to go to work. And, you know, I'm an accountant and that doesn't really happen every day. <laughs> I've asked around. I've talked to other accountants. None of us ever feel like that. I, I definitely thought of you. Thank when, you. <laughs> during that line. My wife, my wife actually paused it and like laughed. She was just like. Oh my god, this is so great. This movie is full of so many great lines. I mean, it just it's nonstop. I mean, great dialogue. It, it's great really dialogue. good dialogue. And again, you know, it's no que- it's no surprise that this is the same guy that watches, you know, like our you know, the favorite network show that all three of us still watch and talk yeah. about. Um, it's just so yeah. good. But well, I'm glad that you got to rewatch this, Matt. I know it's your favorite rom com. I mean maybe I the think only it one is. you like, but I remember us talking about this a long time ago and you're like I think this is my favorite romantic comedy yeah it's definitely and, and maybe it's be and maybe a big part of it is because of the angle it, it takes from going a lot of it is from the man's point of view yeah. and I think that that that's probably a big part of it um, and it doesn't have like a lot of cheesy music like the music in it is good music like is I great. like I like the music in it and you know it's just it's I mean, a fun movie he plays I've had the time of my life. Of course the music's great. Well, they're... Okay, maybe not all the music's great. (laughs) So, anyway. Well, thank you, Nancy, for being such a great co-host. And um, I I don't know what day this will get published, but happy birthday. Thank you. It's coming up in a week and a half. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's... uh, it's been fun doing this, so I hope the listeners out there will wish you a nice happy birthday. Yeah, thanks, Matt. And um, we will do this again. Yes, very soon. Okay, my name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. This has been Fighting Over the VCR. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, Bye-bye. guys.